It's Wednesday, July 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from MDP and Motley Fool Rule Breakers, Simon Erickson. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. Happy National Chicken Wing Day. See, I didn't even know that let's, until let's, we got in here. That's, let's be serious. That's important that's stuff. That's what actually. we're talking about. Uh, and uh, and we will actually talk about it because Buffalo Wild Wings did report earnings. Uh, we'll also talk about the dumpster fire that is Yelp, um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we'll we'll get into Baidu's earnings from yesterday. But let's start with Twitter. Uh, second quarter revenue up sixty one percent. And Jason, if you just stopped there. <laughs> That would be pretty good. Sure. Uh, they lowered guidance for Q3. The stock is down, what, 12%, 13%? 12 or 13%. Um, what happened? Well, okay, so let's. <laughs> I call this a mixed bag. I mean, when you, when you look at it on a, the surface, I mean, they, they beat expectations on the revenue side and on the earnings side. Uh, they are, I think, proving that there is value in the advertising platform. They've now uh, reached the, the 100,000 advertising. Uh, Advertisers uh, on board, Mark, and you know they—they're always talking about tens of thousands and this ultimate goal to get to millions. So, one hundred thousand is another milestone that shows that there is value on that platform. That advertisers are using it. Uh, revenue growth was driven by increase in ad engagement, along with the cost per ad engagement. So, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, but but really, I think we could pinpoint the moment in, in the call where things really went south. And it's when Anthony Noto, the CFO, said, "To be clear, I quote: To be clear, however, we do not expect to see sustained meaningful growth in MAUs until we start to reach the mass market. We expect that will take a considerable period of time." Oof. Now, Chris, <laughs> Wall Street is known for many, many things. Patience is not one of them, and I think that this was that sign uh, where short-term, you know, short-timers said, "Okay, we're bailing. We don't have time to wait for this because it's going to." Take a while, and we don't know how long it's going to take. You know, add that into the the whole question of, of leadership. There, I mean, Jack Dorsey's in there as a temp CEO, or is he really the temp CEO? Is he angling to get the job for sure? Because we've seen sort of a shift in strategy, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but is is that strategy going to stay consistent if Jack Dorsey then steps out and, and another CEO steps in? So there is you know plenty of uncertainty to go with the good results, and, and certainly the market didn't have time for it. When I hear him talk about, well, we, we, it's going to take us some time to reach the mass market. This is, this is not 2009. <laughs> this is, people know about Twitter, and clearly, a bunch of people, many, many millions of people, have essentially made up their mind that Twitter is not for them. I think, in some in some respects, that's correct. I think that you know what they have done is a very poor job in communicating why. You should use Twitter. I think they they have they have done a very good job growing sort of the organic user base over time. I mean, it's just you happen to you just people sort of just flock to Twitter, no pun intended, and <laughs> and uh, you know we we the network effects just kind of help grow that user base. But there's still a huge market out there of of individuals who don't use Twitter because they either don't know why they should or they don't know how they should. And, and I'm glad to see management at least acknowledge this and what they're doing about it. Is they are going? They're planning a very big uh, marketing campaign for the back half of this year uh, to sort of go along with Project Lightning, which will launch in the fall. Um, and, and so, you know, Anthony Noto, who took over uh, the, the marketing duties as well when the, when uh, their marketing officer uh, exited, 
it was interesting to know the call. They are actually searching now for a chief marketing officer, so they're going to hire a marketing you know individual to to help lead the way here, and I think that's encouraging as well. You know, we're looking at this and saying, okay, well, the catalysts on the horizon that could that could turn this thing around are number one, answering the questions of leadership, and then two, you know, executing on that strategy of communicating the value of Twitter and why and how people should use it. So we're going to have you know some measurables to go by. Now, with that said, I mean, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, the user base is obviously very important. Uh, but but let's also look at the positives here. I mean, I think you do have an advertiser base out there that is recognizing the value of Twitter, and uh, it's just going to be a matter of time, I think, before we either see them execute or we see someone come in there and take them out because they're forging a very interesting relationship with Google here. And uh, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me at all at some point here to to actually see you know more news of an acquisition uh, rumor floating around because I mean there, there's even you know <laughs> it's floating around on Twitter out there today that you know they they are I don't want to say intentionally tanked but you know getting that stock price maybe down to to a point where it actually would make you know a more attractive acquisition target uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that's the case but it's certainly uh, something that's out there. Uh, when David Kretzman was here yesterday, one of the things we talked about with TrueCar was how uh, TrueCar's most recent warning uh, comes against the backdrop of a really robust auto sales environment. And so, one of the things we kicked around was, well, are they? Is that at least part of the sell-off that people are sort of looking at TrueCar and saying, "Hey, if you guys can't get it done now?" Yeah. Then, then you know what? What are we talking about? I think that Twitter may be in that same position pretty early next year because if you think about big events, and we saw this a year ago with the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, and how that really helped uh, fuel a, a very good quarter for Twitter. Next year, you've got the Summer Olympics. You've got a presidential election here in the U.S. I mean. They've got a, a pretty good table being set for them in terms of events outside of their control, so that that environment's looking good. But boy, they better, uh, yeah, they better turn quick, yeah. or the, or they really are going to be an even cheaper takeout candidate. Yeah, and I mean that's just it. You know, they really the pins are set up for them to really knock them down. I mean, there are events on the horizon that they they can really uh, you know market towards, and and so you know we're. we're Optimistic that they will really go out there and push, you know, this marketing campaign, uh, you know, into the into the new year to to help drive new user growth because you know the top line is growing quite nicely. I mean, sales grew, excluding currency, sixty eight percent for the quarter. It's not too shabby, uh, but but the only thing that's going to satiate the market at this point is seeing that user number, you know, start start picking up again, and and so. The decisions that they're making now are all centered around that simplifying the experience, communicating the value of Twitter, why you should use it, how you should use it, and, and you know they need to get this leadership question taken care of sooner rather than later. And honestly, you know, one of the things I gathered from the call yesterday was that Jack Dorsey, he didn't sound really like a temporary CEO, man. I mean, he sounded kind of like he was, you know, in there really thinking about. You I, know, I like this chair. <laughs> yeah, I'm comfortable. And, and honestly, I mean, so I, I would argue that what Twitter absolutely needs in the executive seat there is someone who knows and uses that product. I mean, Jack Dorsey's a co-founder. He's got a passion for this platform, and he's got a passion for this business. I mean, I, I would not be, I wouldn't have a problem at all if he, if he ended up getting, you know, the permanent job there because I think. That's something they really need is someone who is really in touch with that product to help sort of drive the innovation. 
Let's move over to Baidu, the Chinese search engine giant, which is a little bit smaller this week. Uh, second quarter profit lower than expected. Uh, they lowered guidance for the third quarter, Simon, and they are spending an awful lot of money. And the stock is down about 19% this week. It seems clear that, uh, among other things, the general sentiment is we don't like. It's either we don't like the amount of money that you're spending, or we don't like the way that you're spending because they're spending it on a lot of offline stuff. They are, and apparently the market doesn't like the fact that you have to spend money to make money. <laughs> uh, when you're a really big company, you have to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money, and that's exactly what Baidu's doing right now. The uh, operating margin contracted this this quarter, but it wasn't due to pricing; it was due to expenses, as you noted. And they're investing in what they're calling online to offline transactions. They don't want Baidu, which is similar uh, to Google, but over in China, to just be a an online search engine where you're searching for information. They actually want to facilitate transactions. So they've got a platform called Baidu Connect that will connect people that are going on trying to make transactions on the internet with the advertisers that are doing that. If they're successful with this, this is going to push up the cost per click of, of every advertiser's rate that, that goes right to Baidu's top line. So it's a really big initiative. But it's going to take a lot of time. They're going to have to hire a really big sales force to go out and actually get these smaller businesses up on the platform. And that's what you're seeing right now as far as the operating expenses ballooning and the uh, the stocks sold off because of that. Do you think it's unfair? Do you think it's an overreaction? I think so. Uh, Baidu, the reason we say that, Baidu is actually our best performing rule breaker of all time, a company we love on the scorecard. And they've really... Uh, handled all of the changes in China really well. You know, we've heard regulatory concerns in the past. We've heard expenses were out of line in the past, but they've navigated them very well. We think that Robin Lee, uh, Baidu's CEO and co-founder, has always done a really good job with that. And to be honest, this this market opportunity that they're talking about, uh, which is basically online to offline transactions in the world's most populous country, I, I think is a good one to go after. It does seem like. An expensive bet that they're making, but it also seems like a bet that if it pays off, one, two, five, however many years down the line, then no one's going to care. No, like no one's going to care about what happened this week with the stock yeah. if it does pay off. And I mean, you know, we're, we've talked. A, I think a, the initial discussions about this have been movie tickets and fast food takeout. You know, smaller dollar transactions. But then you see, you know, Baidu is is partnering and has an ownership stake in Chunar which is booking hotel rooms and airfare. There's going to be a lot of demand for that in China, especially as their middle class is growing. They've also got a stake in Uber now. And we've seen Uber just taking off um, all over the world. And, and China is going to be another market that's going to be big. So anything that would facilitate a transaction, Baidu's getting their hand in right now. I think this could be well worth the effort. Yelp lost $1.3 million in the second quarter. And that may not sound like a lot of money. but Apparently, it is because shares of Yelp are down 28% today. Uh, I mean, they lost money when I think a, a profit was expected. The, the guidance was bad. Uh, Chairman Max uh, Levkin, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, also, uh, <laughs> he's resigned, and I'm quoting here, in order to pursue other interests. Which, yeah, which is you. to me is just the <laughs> ultimate. It's not me. It's you. It's it's. I mean, here's one of the earliest investors in Yelp just saying, "I think I'm going to leave and now." He's like, "Done. I'm done. I'm out of here." Chris, this is bad. We can't we can't sugarcoat this story. This and when your largest shareholder, your chairman of the board, is is not interested in the company anymore. 
it's a bad sign. And, you know, I, I think it's Yelp has executed very poorly. Um, it, basically, the lifeblood of this company was the number of, of mobile visitors that were coming to the Yelp platform, you know, booking uh, and, and trying to find kind of local advertising kind of stuff. And the pace has just slowed down. You know, we saw 22% growth in mobile visitors this quarter. That's down from 29%. Last quarter, and then it was at forty-six percent the year over the year. So the lifeblood of this company is deteriorating. You've got your chairman stepping down. You've got some legal concerns with Google. There's not a whole lot we like with Yelp right now. We've got in the penalty box and rule breakers. Don't you feel like the veracity of the reviews is always in question? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I, I've I've never really used Yelp. Um, I think I might have looked at it a couple of times, but I mean, it, it seems to me it's, there's always sort of this cloud of litigation hanging over them in regard to the reviews and businesses and you know the the, the accuracy of, of reviews. And where you look at something like TripAdvisor, for example, which you know I, I think TripAdvisor is actually doing a really good job of, of making inroads in this space. Um, you know, it's it's viewed as sort of a a place where you can really trust the reviews, and and you know a sign of that is when you know post a review to TripAdvisor, it doesn't immediately post. I mean, it actually they they go through and vet it, they review it to make sure that it's you know reasonable. I mean, it can be bad or good, but they're just trying to make sure that it's it's not something that is like a, a you know hatchet job or something. Yeah, it is, and you know. It... It's a novel idea, you know, especially as, as mobile phones have kind of gained in popularity. You want to find great lo- local pizza place that's nearby. It makes a lot of sense. It's just when you're going up against Google Plus, who also wants that ad positioning, it's a tough fight. Do you think that Google looks at Yelp and and sees any kind of value? Because obviously, it's a much. I mean, when we talk about acquisitions, this is now a stock trading at a two-year low. The market cap is around 1.8 billion. Larry Page probably has. That in his sofa, in loose change, <laughs> just lying around the office. So I'm wondering if, I guess my hunch is that there is a price at which Google is willing to pay for Yelp because they look at it, they look at the user base, you know, they, and they think, well, we can do, we can do a better version of that. We can, you know, a a, and maybe that price is still a lot lower than what we're talking about right here. But it it does seem like that they're. It is popular enough, and its user base is big enough that it does seem like there's some value there. I just don't know if it's 1.8 billion or if it's like if it's under a billion. And there was some chatter a couple of months ago, you know, people people tweeting or yelping or whatever about uh, Yelp being up for sale. Uh, that fell through since then. Yeah, I think that if Google were to to make an acquisition, anyone else is to make an acquisition of this company, they're going after the the users and they're going after the local advertisers. But they've got a high churn rate too. The long-term economics, I don't think, are very attractive. We could see an acquisition, Chris, because the price is definitely right now. Uh, but I, I still worry about the long-term competitive advantage of a company like this. Let's wrap it up with Buffalo Wild Wings. And as I mentioned, it is National Chicken Wing Day. Uh, that, however, is not why shares of Buffalo Wild Wings are up twelve percent. <laughs> um, pretty interesting quarter because depending on which headline you read. I mean, just in terms of basic Wall Street expectations, this was not a home run by any stretch. This no. wasn't even like a stand-up triple. <laughs> um, but it, it, it walk. But <laughs> it, it does seem like the same-store sales numbers uh, were maybe a little bit stronger than people were expecting, and that is partly what's happening with the stock. But you tell me, you've looked at it. What sure. what is fueling this rise? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, as you noted, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't one where they met the expectations that were set out. 
Um, and, and certainly, uh, when you look at the guidance for the same store sales in this current quarter here, they are lower than, than they were a year ago. Um, but I, you know, there are a few things that I think are serving as a bit of a catalyst today. Number one um, is they're talking about they're going to be pushing through uh, more menu pr- uh, price increases here coming up very soon. And you know, typically they've done a very good job with that historically. They've been able to pass those through it, you know, without, without uh, you know it costing them any any traffic. And so I think you know there is a modicum of pricing power that they have um particularly on the alcohol side because i think you know beer is just one of those things that you know the more the more you drink the less you're concerned about how much it costs right <laughs> so uh, that's true know, the definitely the, the price increase i think is has got the market sort of happy about it another interesting uh transaction is they're bringing 41 fran- uh, franchise restaurants back underneath the company owned umbrella and and i i always like to see that because and the company owned comps are higher than the franchise comps, aren't they? Typically, yes, because yeah. you know company-owned stores are are more under their control, and that's that's something we always look for with these company-owned slash franchise models. If you see the franchise comps significantly lower on a consistent basis, then you then you have a problem. You want to go check those stores out because you know they're they're obviously not meeting the same standard as the company-owned stores. And so then you look to the other end of the spectrum there with the Chipotle, for example, and they own all of their stores. And I think that you know businesses like Buffalo Wild Wings, they see the value in that. They understand that the the product that they have is very popular. They have a great setting for for people uh, to go in and enjoy you know the big event. And so the more stores they can own outright, I think the better off in the long run they are. So I think that's encouraging as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the face of it, you know, the chicken wing prices were twenty six high, twenty six percent higher than than the year before, and they're even talking about uh, you know prices in the back half of the year being more expensive than they were last year. So they're definitely facing some pressures on the cost side, which forced that price increase. But you know, when a company has you know even just a little bit of pricing power there, uh, that can make all the difference. Sally Smith, the longtime CEO, just one more reason. I think she's just fantastic. Did you see that on the conference call she was asked about Tom Brady? Did you see this? I saw something, but I didn't so, read into it. No. So, uh, so yesterday the the NFL uh, upholds the four game suspension of Tom Brady. Yeah. And on the call, she was basically asked, "Okay, you've got all these locations in New England. <laughs> Tom Brady, star quarterback for the New England Patriots, will not be playing the first because they have a buy in that first four yeah. weeks. So, he's not going to be playing for the first five weeks of the season. Are you worried about that? And she was basically like, no, I'm not. Because, you know, people are people want to watch football. Yeah, they want to watch their team. But we've got people, you know, we've got restaurants and locations where, you know, there is no home team and people just want to watch football during the season. And no, we're going to be fine. Yep. It's not like, good for one her. person. She's, yeah, she's smart. We had her, she was at that, uh, the one event we, we had in, in Minnesota a couple of years back. Just really, really impressive. I mean, she's, that, that's just a very fortunate situation they have there to have her leading that company because she's done a wonderful job. Whether it is a type of wing that you like or, a recommendation you want to make on a chicken wing. It can be, hey, try this flavor, or hey, if you're ever in this city, you got to go here. Give me one chicken wing recommendation. Because, hmm. I mean, Buffalo Wild Wings, I was stunned the first time I went there. It just ha- They've got, some, I don't know, 28, 30 different sauces and yeah. flavors and that sort of thing. And I like that they rank order them in terms of heat. <laughs> because then you can just sort of go, oh, you know. Because usually you go get wings somewhere. It's like, well, do you want mild, medium, or spicy? And there, it's just 
this incredible spectrum, <laughs> and, and they're always introducing new flavors right. too. And I got to say, like the the and I I generally like spicy food. I would say the 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 five to eight spiciest. I want no part of those. They can get pretty brutal. And buffalo wild wings. I'm like that seems like uh, I might hurt myself. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm I don't eat a lot of wings, and typically when I do, a lot of times it's you know just going to Buffalo Wild Wings for for something. But uh, so I'll just stick with their menu because it's what I know best, and I'll, I'll I'll bring two to the table here. So if you're feeling a little brave, then you know you might want to give that mango habanero a shot because that is I mean not only is it very flavorful, I mean it brings the heat, and and I mean I'm not gonna eat more than six of those things <laughs> before I gotta you know put the fire out. So. Uh, that's for those who are feeling brave. If you're looking for something a little bit more moderate but flavorful, I mean, I think their Asian zinglings are, are really, really good. Simon, what about you? Uh, Chris, I'm going off the reservation here. If you, if we have listeners in Texas yeah. right now, we got at least a couple. I, I'm going to go with uh, Pluckers as my recommendation. Pluckers, I yeah, love it already. The, the saying is, if you don't like their wings, they'll give you the bird. <laughs> um, Wait, is this a, a franchise in the state? Franchise in the state of Texas, okay. big in Austin. Uh, I've seen that they've expanded quite a bit since then, but that was one of my favorite chicken wings back in my home state of Texas. And if I go to Pluckers, is there one in particular I should, you know, go for, or is it just anything I get there is going to be good? I figure if you, if, you know, if you're doing that sort of thing, particularly in Texas, then you got to be doing something right because I, I, it seems like one of those things where. If if you're not getting it right, you're not getting to two locations. Okay, so the big thing there is the fire in the hole. This is one. This is the spiciest wings that they have. If you eat enough of those, they put your picture up on the in the restaurant. Um, it's like a man versus food thing, uh, right? This is a, a a testament if you can do that. But they've also got a new flavor that's that's called Dr Pepper. I haven't tried that, but it seems interesting. I will say there's one locally that I've had before, Hard Times Cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do really good wings because they grill them. Uh, but they have a chili lime wing there that's really good. Uh, one that I know that our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, is familiar with because when he was up in Boston, I pointed him to this place. It's a place called Daryl's Corner Bar and Kitchen, and they've got a few different flavors. And on the recommendation of my waiter when I was there earlier this year, I had the peach sweet chili, and it was the most wonderful balance of. Sweetness and heat. Sounds like something great flavor. Georgia. Yeah, it was very good. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.